Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanby. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 8, Episode 4 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, our IMDb user synopsis is, Kevin is caught unaware on a domestic violence call, and he gets beaten by the wife. Simon is about to leave for college, and no one seems to notice. Ruthie and Peter have a school project to complete. Martin becomes part of the family. Um, so, what was your first impression of this episode? Um, so, I guess I have a couple of things to say. I just want to say, before you go on, I think we've officially jumped the shark. Yes. The shark has been jumped. I Yeah, I was, watching this episode, I think, basically confirmed it. Mm-hmm. That this show is... Done. Yes. Um, so, this is a gripe that I've had, and um like I've had before and it's how seventh heaven does its opening credits. Um, so, you know, it, it, it always kind of annoyed me because they would put people in like, you know, we would know Mary would be coming back or Matt would be coming back because they were, would, they would be in the opening credits. Um, but I feel like this is one of the first times when the person was in the opening credits before they were even really introduced on the show. I feel like every other time, you know, when when Shauna was on the opening was in the opening credits, or what was John was on in the opening credits? Like they were at least we knew who they were already. Re- yeah, like you know, they had been guest stars in previous episodes, and eventually they made their way up to series regular. Um, but Martin <laughs> um, gets introduced in the opening credits, and it kind of like takes away from I feel like the TV magic of the episode. I think like. It would have been it would have been better if they made him like you know a guest star, what they, the, which is what they usually do, like have his name after the opening credits, and then in the next episode made him the series regular because then it would be like oh okay he's here to stay. Otherwise, like I don't know, I got I, I, it annoyed me because it's like oh I have to get invested in this man because <laughs> he's gonna be here forever. Yeah. Okay. So that's your yeah. Um. Well, we also have a review. Yes. Um, so, I mean, this is just an excerpt of a review. Mm-hmm. We're kind of going to get around to this at the end of the, like, at the end of the podcast, but, um, so, as we know, Martin, Tyler Hecklin, is introduced in the opening credits of this, um, uh, of this episode, and, um, we'll, like, we'll get back to, like, this later, but just the, the review kind of provides an overview of how absurd his introduction is. Yeah, and it kind of basically speaks my, like, my truth. (laughs) Um, This is obviously not my review. It's a review we found online in which uh, the reviewer gave this episode a .1 out of 10. Not a 1 out of 10, a .1 out of 10. So we're going to go straight to uh, the Martin part of the review. The mysterious stranger is Martin, whose father is in Iraq. And he just wandered into the Camden's house to see what an American family is like, because he doesn't know, because his father is in Iraq and his mother is dead, and his father is in Iraq, in case you didn't get it the first time. Martin magically restores the balance of the Camden's disturbed lives, suggesting they hold a surprise party for Simon because, because they're exercising their family values and completely ignoring him, and also resolves every other bizarre plot twist in this episode just by being there. Why, you ask? What is so special about Martin? Well, he is the unsung victim of the nation's sacrifice, the orphan boy whose only surviving parent is putting himself at risk to protect the world and keep it safe. 
Does any did anything make sense? Was there any character development? Any insight into what makes a good family? Any bonding? Any kindness? Any compassion? No, just inane writing, dismal acting, and trite political propaganda to moisten our eyes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's pretty much a good summation of... What, like, Martin's entire purpose in this episode? Yeah, um, hit, we'll talk, obviously we're going to talk about this when we get to the Martin part of our podcast, but his purpose and his background was completely shoehorned in, and I get really upset when Bre- Brenda Hampton does this. Um, so we'll start with the cold open, which focuses, which I, they've been doing this in season eight so far for the first four episodes where we have only one scene or like one set of characters that gets focused on in the cold open. Usually the cold opens like set up all the storylines that they've. I think I like it better this way though. That it's just like one thing. Yeah. So we're at the hospital and Beverly Mitchell hits us with some Acting. acting. Um, she is a frantic Lucy, a frantic wife, uh, like, looking for her husband at the hospital. Kevin has been in some sort of incident. Yes, we don't know what, but she's trying to, um, like, I don't know. She's trying to figure out what happened to him. She's like, she, they can't find what room he's in. She's like, maybe he couldn't speak when he was admitted. So she has no idea what his condition is. So, um, and, or what kind of police call it was that he was on when he got hurt. So then we see Kevin, like, upright, and he's got, like, some bruises on his face, and his arm is in a sling, and we learn that he was responding to a domestic violence call, and the big crux of this, and, like, haha, the big joke, is, oh, well, Kevin got beat up by the the wife, the woman uh, of this domestic dispute, like, the woman in this domestic dispute is the one who beat up Kevin. So we're supposed to be like, ah, ha, ha, how emasculating, he got beat up by a woman, and, like, Lucy looks disturbed when she finds out. She's like, a woman did this to you? And it's just played out and stupid. Yes. Um, we'd like to say there was obviously that major thing wrong with this scene is that they tried to make a joke about the fact that a woman beat up a man. Right. But the second thing that was disturbing about this was that when, speaking of the domestic violence call, Roxanne called it another stupid domestic thing. Yeah. Which is also making light of very domestic serious... Domestic violence, yeah, yeah. Very serious situations. Domestic violence is very real, and it's not only... Men abusing women, obviously. Yeah, it's women abusing men as well. Like it's a thing, and I don't know why the show decides to make light of certain things and and su- place a super heavy emphasis on other, other things. things. Um, when you can just you know be a good show all all together. <laughs> yeah. So um, the first storyline we're going to talk about is stupid. Yes. So uh, this is another one of those instances where the adult storyline. Or I guess most of the characters are adults, but the actual adult storyline is the worst. Um, We welcome back Rabbi Glass, um, who is disheveled and, I don't know, he kind of looks crazy. Yeah, I think the best, the Rev sums it up when he says, like, you look like you slept in your clothes. He looks like he just got out of bed, his hair is not combed, Um, his clothes are, like, all wrinkled and, like, a mess, his shirt's untucked, and, yeah... So, um, he comes into the Rev's office and he's just ranting about all these inane things that really have nothing to do with anything, and the Rev keeps saying, why did you come over here? You only come over when something is wrong, and he finally breaks down or whatever and admits that, uh, he caught Rosina 
um, like kissing another man, um, or as he says, he, he he announces it as we split up, which makes it seem like they had a discussion and decided, oh, this is what's best moving forward. We're not going to be together anymore. That's not what happened. He just caught Rosina kissing another man. Um, the canter, which I don't... I don't know what that is. I, I mean, just like word roots and things. Is that like, I don't know if at, at temples, if they have like singing, but mm. canter sounds like the person who performed, like the, the leader in song. Oh, okay. Or that's just what I'm guessing. I don't okay. know. I'm not Jewish. I don't know about, um, what role the canter would play at the temple. Um, so this episode continues with kind of this trope really of the man who's been scorned kind of giving warnings to everybody about like love isn't real don't trust a woman so we have a scene with him warning Simon about you're gonna go to college and you're gonna fall in love with someone and as soon as you realize you're in love with them transfer you don't need that in your life and then another scene where he's talking to Martin where he's like are you divorced do you have a girlfriend let me tell you um and this kind of all kind of leads to a boys' night out. Oh, no, 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 we have to... No, 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 before that, yeah. Annie comes home. Yes. This uh, is probably the most important thing that's ever happened on 7th Heaven ever. <laughs> so, remember in the last episode that Annie has a, was visiting Grandpa. So, I, I thought this was just, like, the next day or the next couple of days after the last episode, but um, maybe it isn't. Uh, because later on in the episode, we find out that she's been going back and forth to visit Grandpa quite often recently. So I don't know how much time has passed from 8.03 to 8.04. But Annie arrives home, um, and she's like, what's going on? Why is the rabbi here? Like, why does he look like he look like what he looks like? And then I was like, I'll let him explain. So Rabbi Glass then is like, you know, says, I saw my wife kissing the cantor. Um, I'm so distraught. There's like a scene about how lemon dish wa- like dish soap is her scent. Yeah, it reminds him of Rosina. And Annie's like, "Are you sure that's what happened? Because sometimes what looks like pe- two people kissing is really one person just getting kissed, and yeah. the other person standing there being like in shock." And in the rabbi's state, he decides to be like, "Are you sure about that?" And then he, well, basically he like lunges at Annie and kisses her. Um, I'm sure we'll have this on our show, social media somewhere. And um, that's the prime moment when Ruthie comes down and sees it happen. Yeah. So, I mean, Ruthie witnesses the, the kiss between... And it looks very passionate because Rabbi Glass really has, like, lunged at Annie. Um, and she sees, in this moment, she sees the rabbi kissing Annie and then she kind of looks, like, dazed, and she returns back... Well, this is part of Ruthie's storyline, so we'll, we'll hold that for yeah, later. We'll just but anyway, know that Ruthie, Ruthie witnesses the kiss. Um, and it very quickly gets resolved, obviously, because not, it doesn't mean anything that the rabbi kissed Annie, except the rabbi, like, there's a joke after. He's like, well, how'd I do? How's my kissing? Yeah. It was, you know, weird humor. Um, as we said, this kind of leads to a boys' night out with... Um, Kevin, who we'll talk about him in a bit, Chandler, who just shows up um, because he needs help with the sermon, the Rev, and uh, the Rabbi. They all go to the pool hall where they're all shooting the shit. Um, and we'll talk about Martin for a hot second here. So the review said that like Martin like goes through and fixes everybody's lives for him, for them, and the first thing he does is basically fix the Rabbi's life by 
Going he, through a phone book in the he's got like, office. It's like the Rolodex. He's yeah. sitting in front of a Rolodex. And he calls Rosina and he's like, hi, I'm calling from the pool hall. Your husband is here and he's making a fool out of himself. You need to come and just bring him home. And somehow this works and Rosina doesn't even ask any questions. She just decides to go to the pool hall and pick up the rabbi. And she has some story about why she was kissing the cantor. I forget what. The cantor had just gone through a divorce and she was comforting him and she put her hand on his shoulder and he lost it. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. Um, and then they're like in love again and they go home. Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, we had to waste a lot of minutes on, on that, on that. Um, we'll talk about Kevin next. Um, so as we mentioned in the cold open, it's the stupid him being emasculated storyline. So I don't. He's being emasculated. Lucy's not helping. And then she, like, recruits Roxanne, who also doesn't help. Um, so he apparently... Okay, we're going to... I'm going to talk about the storyline out of order because it just is just a bunch of scenes of Lucy being like, Ooh, you're so hot and sexy. <laughs> and, and Basically. And Kevin's like, why are you speaking like that to me? She's like, I just love being protected by you. Yes. Um, and that happens like uh, two, three times. And then um, Roxanne comes over and she's like, I'm just looking to see how you're healing mentally and physically. And he's like, that doesn't sound like you. What are you guys up to? And he kind of gets fed up and then goes to the pool hall, as we mentioned. And then he like finally, I guess, opens up and he goes to the Rev. Lucy and I haven't had sex since I was beat up. And the, the rev, rev leaves. Yes, obviously. And then Chandler and Kevin are supposed to have a conversation where they are like talking to each other about this, but they don't actually have a conversation. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> it's just like sentence fragments. Yeah, nothing is actually said. Like nobody actually goes, uh, you know, Lucy, you shouldn't feel emasculated or that's stupid or I'm sure Lucy doesn't see you differently. Like nothing like that. No. It's just, you know how they are. I know, you know, <laughs> that's really all that happens. Yes. So this was, women, yeah. man. So basically the entirety of this was ridiculous and stupid and I hated it. Why, like, why does he feel emasculated? Cause he got quote unquote beat up by a woman. And this isn't even like he was beat up randomly by a woman. This was in the line of duty. He should be like, I did my job. Like that's right. it. Right. Like, like it doesn't matter that it was a woman. <laughs> so yeah, it, I can't believe they spent so much time on this too. We had to deal with them in bed. Although there was a scene where Lucy was feeding him pizza. And I was like, yes, that looks delightful, but not from Beverly Mitchell. Well, and also, but the pizza wasn't that good either. And the pizza looked awful as well. Um, So there's that. Uh, We'll talk about Ruthie now. Um, Yeah, so um, Ruthie's storyline starts right after the cold open, and we see her and Peter walking home from school, and they've got, like, a lot of packages. They just went to the store. You get the idea. And they're talking about how they have to do a project um, over the weekend, and we learn that they are, like, it's some sort of American history thing. They're building, like, a functioning coal, like, coal mine model or something. So, um, I don't know. Ruthie's, like, really pissed about it, and Peter is a little bit jazzed. I think we get the idea that he picked the idea or something. 
So um, while they're walking home, there's this strange man lurking behind them um, who will come back later. Yeah. Um, but all you have to know is they go in the house, and then this man follows them in the house. Um, Ruthie is just discontented with the project overall. Like, they've made some progress, and, like, they're using licorice to represent coal, and it's a big problem because Ruthie's like, why don't we just use real coal? This is stupid. She just is hating on the project. Uh, yeah, it kind of, I feel like they don't really explain her attitude in this episode. Well, she's a woman now, so <laughs> it, it just happens periodically. Um, but she's, I, I mean, I know, she's kind of being a brat, I feel like, and, or I guess now she's no longer a brat, she's just a bitch, but like, yeah. um, but she... Because Peter is like, I don't know, it seems like Peter's like optimistic, well, oh, there's that, I, yeah. she gives a little speech, um, so... Peter is like, I don't know what you want. Like, he was like, this shows creativity. The licorice standing in for the coal, and they're using like little box cars. What do you call those? Matchbox cars. Matchbox. Yeah, I think so. Cars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're using like those to be like the little carts that haul the coal. And I don't know. Ruthie's like, it doesn't look anything like a real coal mine. And Peter's like, it's a middle school project. Like, I thought it like the end product before it got destroyed looked great. Um, we have like a really stupid scene where the twins want to eat the licorice, and then and then they do, and then like the project seems to be ruined because there's no coal and. And uh, this kind of leads to Simon taking the twins away to go replace the coal. Um, and, and this is when Ruthie yeah. witnesses the kiss. So after the kiss, she's kind of like dazed and she um, goes up to the attic to her room and she's somewhere like she, she's she, she gets a a bat or something from somewhere and she takes it to the project and destroys the project by like smashing it in with a bat and Peter is like what the fuck yeah why did you do that now we have to start all over again um and she explains in a later scene the most iconic line in seventh heaven history she's like my poor father a cuckold um because she thinks that her father is being cheated on yes um and we don't actually know what happens with this project because Peter leaves. Um, but well, the, we do know what happens at the end because right. Martin saves the day. But she, like, I don't know. It's nothing seems to get resolved. She's clearly like not feeling good about Peter for some reason because she's like, "Why do you always call me honey and sweetie?" She's just picking fights with yeah. him like everywhere, and she does go on. So we kind of glossed over it, but she's like. Oh, Peter, I, I, like, really admire how, like, optimistic you are and how you always see, like, the good... She's like, I'd really like to develop that quality someday, but then she immediately goes back to being, like, a bitch. Yeah. Um, we also have a scene where she confronts Annie about being a hoe. Um, she, like, thinks that her visits to Grandpa are really, like, something else and that she's leaving, like, her dad and she's moving out, some stuff. Uh, but Annie's like, I'm never leaving this family. So, so yay, yay. Annie. Um, and this kind of ends. So there's We'll talk about it very quickly. There's periodically scenes in this episode where Ruthie is kind of like drawn to Martin. Um, we'll explain what's going. <laughs> we'll explain what's going on. Obviously, more so in Martin's storyline. But um, he's in the house, and people keep on thinking that he's Simon's friend. 
Um, and Ruthie keeps on going up to him. So she offers him an oatmeal cookie first. And then later on, she invites him to come help her and Peter with the coal project. And she also invites him to stay for pizza. And this kind of ends with him being like, oh, I um, came up with an idea to help you that'll be much simpler than the coal mine that you guys were thinking about. And he's apparently drawn something out for them. And that's that. So... Yeah, um, and if, so, like, you kind of alluded to it, like, oh, Ruthie's drawn to Martin, she has these problems with Peter, like, the day that Martin is introduced, and I don't know, I'm a big, like, spoiler alert, everyone, I'm a big proponent of of Martin and Ruthie having been endgame, but I don't know what happened there, sorry, everyone, (laughs) spoiler alert, (laughs) they don't end up together, Um. Um, but... I just it's they they were setting it up like like you know even Tanvi said first watch through like it seems like they're setting this up to be like maybe not today or like you know next week w- that like they're gonna get together for, but it seems like this character is for Ruthie especially because I was gonna mention this when we talk about Martin but I'll mention it now um, when they came up with the idea for the character of Martin he was initially named Joe and he was initially going to be kind of a bad boy who gets like. Ruthie and all types of different like kinds of trouble and like eventually like then extended to the rest of the Camden family um so the character read for this character was a match for Ruthie in the first place in whatever way yeah romantic uh, or like just a friend friend. whatever it's even though they also kind of in the introduction maybe they were trying to throw you everyone's like oh you're a friend of Simon's but he's he's not that much younger than Simon um but he looks a lot younger he than does. Simon. I, I at first thought he was supposed to be 15, but he comes in and says that he's 16. 16 right. Um, but and I guess the other thing is because Mackenzie Rosman is so short. She's just, she just looks really, really young. So she's like 12 yeah. years. She's like 12 years old, which isn't that big of an age. What that age it is a big age difference from 12 to 16. But like she looks so much younger than 12. Yeah. Um, or 13, whatever she's supposed to be. I think she's supposed to be. to be 13 by now. I feel like she was 12 last yeah. season, so she might be 13 now. So, I think three years isn't that bad. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Um, so we'll go to... Oh, yeah, she'd be 13 because she was five in the first episode, so... So we'll go... Math. To, yes, math. So we'll go to... Before we talk about Martin, very quickly about where Simon's at. So Simon spends a lot of this episode talking about how he's going away to college. That's actually exclusively what he spends the episode talking about. And we have scenes with the Rev where he's like, I'm going away, don't be emotional. Um, And actually, there's kind of a meta here. So we talk a lot about, and I don't know if we've talked about this in like the podcast a lot, but we talk about it a lot when we're watching it, Aaron and I. Um, The Rev is a crier. He cries very easily. Yes. And his... Eyes like tear his up. Signature little like yeah. his eyes get like all watery and it's gross. Like uh, you see like the red the redness the, yeah. of his, like, the rims of his eyes and stuff. Um, so Simon actually points that out and he's like, "You get that look in your eye," and they moisten and that like sets everybody else off. So that was a nice allusion to uh, Stephen Collins's acting. Yeah. Um, so that happens. We have a scene where he's trying to like talk to Ruthie uh, about like, "Oh, I'm leaving. Do you need anything?" and she, like, basically blows him off. He tries to talk to Lucy for a bit, um, and Lucy blows him off as well, like, quite, like, harshly, actually. Um, the scene where the rabbi's telling him to run away from love, he's talking about, I need to pack for a lot of seasons. So, like, we have no idea where he's going. 
also, this, like, there was no... This just developed in this episode. He just started saying, I'm going to college. We haven't seen any... Well, he's making the video project with the guy with his advisor, the Harvard grad. But I think we're meant to believe now that he's gotten in, or I don't know. Yeah. I don't, like, they really haven't told us anything, so who knows. Um, And it's kind of all comes to a head with two major scenes. The first one being with Cecilia, who is there to borrow shoes from Lucy. I don't understand. Um, and so she runs into Simon and she's like, oh, um, I need shoes to go because I'm going hiking on Sunday with a group of friends. And Simon's like, but Sunday's the day I'm leaving. Yeah. And they kind of have a conversation about like, well, it's not goodbye. Like, I'll see you later. You'll come back for the holidays and stuff. And like Simon very quietly says to himself, no, no, Cecilia, it is goodbye. (laughs) And we get this theme of nobody's really paying attention to the fact that he's actually going away, and Simon's clearly affected by it. And it ends with Martin being like, so, you're going away to college. And Simon's like, yeah, but nobody seems to care. And Martin's like, well, actually, didn't you know about the surprise party? Um, Spoiler alert, there is no surprise party. He lied. Well, now there's going to be a surprise party that we're never going to see. Of, of course. Um, but this, this is another instance of him fixing, like, the thing. You know, he fixed the thing with the rabbi. He fixed the thing with Ruthie. So now he's fixing the thing with, with Simon. Simon. I'm yeah. surprised he didn't fix the thing with Kevin. Oh, uh, man, that would have been great. I would have loved it if he fixed the thing with Kevin. What would he have done? <laughs> um, but that's really it for Simon. Uh, again, no idea where this college thing has come from. Definitely one of the major signs of jumping the shark sending Simon to college a fucking year early. Mm-hmm. Um, so, especially because now he doesn't need to go to college. Doesn't he? Because the whole, he was leaving school because of the brother who was going to kill him or whatever. But now the brother is like... In jail. Or, or not. Or, or like, I don't know, he's like getting the help he needs, so... Well, it's, they, they just want, I think David Gallagher wanted out. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. Um... So um, we'll get to the one and only Martin Brewer now. Um, f- first of all, we mentioned that he was initially going to be a bad boy character, and his name was going to be Joe, but after Tyler Hecklin uh, like got the part... Oh, yeah, so anyway, uh, Martin is played by Tyler Hecklin, who you may recognize from... Uh, Teen Wolf, he played the character of Derek Hale. Um, Supergirl, he played the character of Superman. Ah. He's been in other things as well. I feel like yeah. he was in the Fifty Shades movies. Oh, he was. Um, was he? <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen them. I only um, saw the first one. I haven't seen it, and I've refused to see it. But I, he, wasn't, he wasn't in the first one, I think I he was think. in the second one. Okay. Maybe he was in the third one. He could have been in anything. He was in The Road to Perdition. Oh, okay, yes. That, that, that was like his first role, right, when he was very young. I don't I think so. Recall. I think I recall having seen that somewhere. And he plays baseball, so yes, good he's on a, him. Yes, he's a baseball player. Um, but he's, yeah, he's he hit it really big in the Teen Wolf fandom. Like, people love him. Uh-huh. Um, I liked him as Martin. <laughs> well, I knew, I knew him as Derek before I knew him as Martin, and it's weird looking at him as such a baby right now. A young boy. Yeah, because he was a werewolf. He had so much hair. Oh, well. And this, there's okay. no hair. Well, his eyebrows are, you know. Yeah, his eyebrows are hair. Um, right, so they eventually changed the the people in charge eventually changed his name to Martin and gave him a different storyline uh, because, I don't know, because of Tyler Hecklin. Because he brought so much character yeah. to the character. Um, so 
Martin, as we mentioned earlier, follows Ruthie and Peter home. Um, and then he, like, sneaks into the house, and he kind of, like, posts up, basically. And he is in the kitchen for a bit, then he moves to the love den, then he moves to the Rev's office. And basically, he's just going around the house, talking to people. Simon thinks he's there for the Rev. Everybody else thinks he's there for Simon. And as we said, he, like, systematically goes and fixes everybody's problems until the very end, which is when his storyline, I guess, begins. (laughs) And also ends. Um, so the Rev is like, who are you? Right. And <laughs> then we get all this exposition and just one quick, uh, you know, conversation. And um, with the Rev and gives his life story, basically. And he's like, well, um, I, I, I forget. He's like, I just moved into the neighborhood. I told my dad that I would try to get to know the neighbors. Um, I started to follow, like, Peter and Ruthie home from school, and I was going to talk to them. But then I, when I, like, got close enough to actually talk to them, I thought it was weird because they're so much younger than me. And I just, you know, it was nice to be in your house because it's, it's like a real family. And it, Everything it was... the review basically said. Um, so the way that he, like, reveals that his father's in the military is very weird. So first he goes, right. Like, he's like my, t- yeah, he's like, my dad's at work. And, and then, then the Rev is like, where does he work? And he's like, Iraq, in the Middle East. You know, Iraq in the Middle East. And then uh, the Rev jumps to, oh, he's in the military. And he's like, yes, he's in the Marine Corps. And the Rev, of course, has a soft spot because he's like, my papa, the colonel, was in the Marine Corps. And then he asks where his mom is. <laughs> and Martin goes, it's uh, how do you say? She passed on. <laughs> yeah. Which was such a strange way of saying it. I really like the delivery of that, though. Yeah. I, I know it's not, it wasn't supposed to be funny, but I thought it was funny. Um, and yeah, so he's basically like, look, I'm 16. I thought I could look after myself, but child services said no. So he's staying with his aunt. Um, something about Eisenhower's old house or near Eisenhower's house. Eisenhower, the chimp, obviously. Yeah. Um, and he just, like Aaron said, he wanted to know what a family, a civilian family lived like who didn't have to worry about one of the members of their family, like, about to be dead or something. Uh, like, you know, their lives are in danger. Um, and the Rev, like, starts to well up, and he's like, you're right, we don't even think about, you know, it must seem to you that we don't even care about, um, like... The troops. The the troops or anything, because we just live our lives every day, and our whole family gets to be together, but you have have to sacrifice every day, et cetera, et cetera. And And the whole, uh, this is, of course, just Brenda Hampton pushing home the issue of, you know what, the, like, the war, now, this is supposed to be, like, maybe October, September, October of 2003. Yeah. And, um... So, like, the troops, like, the, the inv- Iraq started in March 2003, so it's just yeah. like, hey, everybody, reminder that just because, you know, like, the deployment isn't brand new anymore, there are still people over there. Yeah, um, so this was another incident of Brenda Hampton having, like, what could be a very good and solid storyline and a good and solid moral slash, you know, like, issue uh, that she wants to present, but only talking about it for two minutes at the very end of an episode. They could have introduced Martin a completely different way, still have him do the thing where he was fixing things for everyone, but, like, it made it more, like, 
you know, spent the whole story, like, spent the whole episode talking about, like, he is, he, his father's in the military, he could die any second, we should be, you know, still concerned about the troops, even though the war is not as fresh as it is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that's it. Martin's, like, too wise for his age, because he's, like... <laughs> Fixing everyone's problems and... Yeah, but also he very, like, astutely says, well, that's the point, right? Like, my dad goes to war so you can live how you live. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is it. So, as we know, Martin is here to stay. He made the credits, so... Well, and also we just know Martin is here to stay. Uh, well, not we, but now I do. I mean, I knew that, actually. Sort of replacing. I, f- I always, when I was, like, younger and watched the show, I would frequently mix him up with Robbie. Oh. Yeah. So I have, actually, this is a, a weird question to ask, but it was something I was thinking about in the shower the other day, because this is what I do, I think, about 7th Heaven now. Yeah. Um, do they, so do they bring in new epi- new people when old people leave? Like, is it a thing to make... Generally, sh- yes. Right, so, but is it a thing to keep it seven? And I just realized, I think it might be. Because, like, they brought oh. in Robbie, like, into the house. I'm talking about the house itself. Yeah, I know, but when, Matt and Mary were gone, and they only brought in one person. Oh, wait, Matt was there Matt when Robbie was there, was there. And, like, Mary had gone, so they, that was seven in the house. Then when Robbie left... Who came in? Kevin. I mean, Kevin is there now all the time, time. so he's throwing the the number off. I think Chandler, maybe, was, like, the the Robbie replacement. I think it's just they bring in new people because they've always had, like, the way that the show was written, there's always, like, multiple storylines going on at once, so just to juggle, to continue, like, having, like, balls in the air of, like, and here's this storyline, I feel like that's why they do it. So when characters leave, they just bring in new people just to fill the time. Because, like, Matt left, and that's why Roxanne came in, and then Robbie left, and that's why Chandler came in, right? And now, I bet, I'm bet i assuming Simon's leaving soon, so that's why Martin's coming in. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good theory. I don't know. I don't think it, the numbers actually work out, though. That's Those, the, right, right. Um, uh, and because, like, some people, I feel like Roxanne and Chandler were really just introduced as a byproduct of Kevin, because they were like, well, what do we do with this guy? We need to give him people to interact with. He can't just be, like, hanging out at the... I mean, he could have just been hanging out with, like, Ruthie all the time, but... I mean, uh, that would have been an interesting dynamic. I wish that... They had that... The start of that, the, like... I love how they butt heads, and then, they like, they don't interact anymore. anymore. Right, exactly. They could have kept that going. They really could have had, like, a cool, like... A lengthy, like, comedic storyline where, like, every couple of episodes it remind us Ruthie and Kevin don't really like each other. Or I something. like it better this way because it just seems like they're ignoring each <laughs> other. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, what would you rate the first episode that Martin's in? Oh my God, I love it so much. I'm gonna rate it. I'm gonna give this a six. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> six. Wow. I loved it. Wow. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm giving this. A three. Okay. I was gonna give it less than that, but I feel like I gotta give it higher because you gave it such. A, you gave it a six. It was great. It had everything you could ever want. So except for Rabbi Glass, who I could always do without. Yeah, that's why I'm giving it such a low score. It's all yeah. the stupid shit. I realized. I don't Glass. know if I said this on the podcast, but I realized in the the episode where Sarah thought she was pregnant. It, it's not Sarah that I don't like. It's 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 her parents, and yeah. it's really just Rabbi Glass. Her mother isn't even that annoying. It's he's just like too much. So if you want to check out uh, what Kevin looks like all beat up or what tiny baby uh, Tyler Hecklin looks like. Or what the Cole 
thing the looks like or being specific, destroyed. Or um, the, the lunge, line. the lunge, uh, Rabbi kissing Annie, any of these things. Uh, you can check it out by going to uh, facebook.com slash CamdenCast. Our handles on Twitter and Instagram are CamdenCast Show. We are also available through email. Uh, CamdenCast at gmail.com. And new episodes are Wednesdays and Saturdays on the iTunes Apple Podcast app, on Stitcher, and on SoundCloud.com slash CamdenCast. I'm Tambi. I'm Erin. This is Camden Casting.